Hello everyone And hello from Mishka She's ready to learn a little bit about the Middle Ages So today I would like to show you one of the Christmas presents I got I think this is the first new CD I've got in probably over 10 years but from what I can tell there's no vinyl so I asked for the CD I mentioned recently that I've been listening to medieval songs from Spain and then the algorithm suggested some other medieval music and eventually I heard some of these Carmina Carolingiana, Chantipi Coton de Charlemagne. So, songs from the time of Charlemagne. And specifically, I heard the first one, Versus de Bella que fui d'acta fontaneto. The thing is, I don't know any Latin. I've had French, but never Latin. and. I can sometimes um, identify individual words but when I just see a title like that I have no idea what it means and I just saw mm, Bella probably something beautiful when it was in December they were chanting in Latin there were some bells throughout and I was like oh it's almost like Christmas music okay turns out it's not Christmas music at all This is a really beautiful packaging and the wonderful thing is you get so much information both the poems that are the basis of the songs and some additional information on the time of Charlemagne in both French and English and there's also the Latin text here, the French translation, and the English one. It starts off Aurora comprimo mane tetra noctem dividens, Sabatum non illud vuit, sat Saturni dolium, de fraterna rupta pace gaudet daemon impius. Maybe you already have an idea of what that could mean and that is not particularly joyful It says The dawn that dispelled the horrendous night at the break of day was not a Sabbath of rest but a Saturday of sorrow The demon of disloyalty rejoiced in seeing the breach of peace between brothers So very dramatic they cry war on all sides, violent fighting breaks out Brother schemes the death of brother, uncle of nephew The son shows no mercy to his father So the song talks about a war and specifically about a battle And it tells us who the winner was The right hand of the Lord Almighty has protected Lothair he won the battle through his courage in combat 
but the other said for like him peace would soon have been restored. It also tells us where it happened. They call it Fontenoy. The fountain, as well as the village in the country, where carnage and devastation of the blood of Franks took place. So it was a battle between the Franks. They fought on both sides. We also know who wrote this poem. This calamity that occurred, which my poem recalls, I, Angilbert, witnessed it with my own eyes and fighting with my companions, I was the sole survivor among many in the front line of battle. And then he tells us who the enemies of Luther were. I returned to see the deep valley and the gaping chasm where the brave King Wilder chased his fleeing enemies down the banks of the torrent, on the side of Charles as well as that of Louis. Then he continues talking about the, the horrors of the battle. So the enemies were Charles and Louis. And we get another idea of who these three were. It says here, brother schemes the death of brother. So they were all related. And before we go back and look a bit more at the history of this poem, there's one small detail I want to show you in the Latin version. Have a look at the first words of each line. Aurora, Bella, Caedes, Dextera, Etze, Fontanetta, Gram, Hock, and so on. So it spells out the alphabet. A, B, C, D, E, and so on. And I think that is a really funny little detail in such a gruesome poem. Alright, so here we also get some information about Latin, the Carolingian era. And here we have some more information about the time and this poem in particular. So here we're given a date. This was June the 25th, 841, shortly after the death of Emperor Louis the Pious, successor to Charlemagne. A devastating war set the heir to the imperial title, Lothar, against both of his brothers, Louis the Germanic and Charles the Bold. Alright, the kitty has uh, more important things to do. I think she's off to eat. So the battle, we already noticed, took place at Fontenoy. And it resulted in the Treaty of Redan, which left a deep-seated mark on the history of the European West. I'm going to show you this on a map in a minute. I think it's a really fascinating time. We also have here the alphabet from A to P, 
its 15 stanzas and they're composed in three 15-syllable lines. So if we have another look back here. So we have here 15 syllables, a division, another 15 syllables, division, and a third set of 15 syllables, and then the next line. And I think it makes for a really interesting uh, melody. It really caught my ear. I will link it below in the description box so you can listen to it. I think that's really beautiful. And the versus has been preserved in three manuscripts. And this is the Paris version because it has been supplied with an Aquitanian style musical notation. So oftentimes when you hear medieval music, I think inevitably the question that's going to come up is how do we know what it sounded like? Because they didn't write down notes like we do today with maybe these annotations, you know, forte, piano. So they added certain musical notations. If you look at it here, they introduced a system of musical notation with signs that mimic the rising and falling inflections of the singing voice in the space about the lines. And that was less the notation of a melody, but rather it helped to articulate a correct and easily understandable delivery of the text. So the text was really important when it came to the rendition of these songs. And I really like what it says here. So from then on, the masters managed to give unprecedented scope to the rights of the public and official liturgy, whose function was both sacramental as well as secular. In their great prose writings, they insert exuberant pieces of poetry, Prosimetra that were probably meant to be read aloud and sung. They used this material for all the rites of public life and death in the churches and palaces where services are held. These public ceremonies must first and foremost be beautiful, luxurious, magnificent, thus they have to be enriched with musical creations, sequences, tropes, and other pieces more plainly supported by monodic chant or polyphonic singing. From then on, music ceased to be a mere embellishment. Mm -hmm. It turned into language, communication. Contemporaries expected it to be awe-inspiring and to help memorization. I think that's really beautiful. Okay, and before we look at the maps, just as a briefly yeah. want to show you these photos of the musicians. This was recorded at the Abbey of Pontefroux, which is a really, really beautiful place. And if you're ever um, near the Loire, it's definitely worth visiting.
But we still want to know what was going on with those three brothers. So let's have a look here at the Putzke Historische Weltatlas. And we can see here the Empire of the Franks under Charlemagne. So we're back around the year 800. And you have to remember, after the Roman Empire in the West fell, there wasn't that much happening here. Of course, you have a lot of medieval history, but this was more the periphery. And the center of history moved east, towards East Rome, Constantinople. It moved south. We can see here the Emirates of Cordoba. And here in the north, we have the Vikings also moving east with the Kievan Rus. So you have here sort of the centers surrounding Western Europe, and this was a bit more calm. There was still the idea of Rome as an empire, as a great a source of power, but the level of education had fallen a bit, and Latin was still spoken, but in a different form. So this was more vocal Latin, the everyday kind of Latin that was starting to develop into different dialects and would eventually become French, Spanish, Italian, etc. One thing we've already mentioned in the video about the French language, you probably remember this, is that while French is a Romance language, so it developed out of Latin, the rulers were Germanic during that time. And Charlemagne probably spoke Frankish, just a Germanic language, and not so much Latin, though there are comments that he learned Latin and he could even read it and he spoke it as if it were his mother tongue. I don't know if that's a bit of an embellishment because obviously he was an important ruler and you only want to say the best of things about your emperor, right? Alright, we can also see the Bretagne here is not part of the empire of the Carolingians, but we can see that it extends eastwards across what would become Germany eventually, we have some areas here that would become Austria and Charlemagne also ruled over parts of Italy. And that is a huge area. Now the problem is, after Charlemagne, this empire started to break apart. And with the Franks, the rule was that you would divide the land between your sons. So, the son of Charlemagne was Louis, and Louis had three sons. So he divided it into three parts. 
and we already know these three sons, Lothair, Louis and Charles. We're gonna switch to a different book because I think it gives us a better map of what happened then. This is This is the Atlas der Weltgeschichte. And here we can see the division of the Empire of Charlemagne. So Lothair, the winner of the battle at Fontenot, ruled the middle part of the empire. So we have here Frisia at the north, we have here Verdun, where they came together to sign the treaty. We have the Rhone here with Lyon, Provence down in the south, and then here across the Alps, here's Basel, Strasbourg. up towards the North Sea again. Initially, this also included the Italian part of the kingdom, but this eventually fell away. Now, you might think that it's not really the best part of the empire, right? It's a really long uh, and narrow land, plus you have the Alps cut across it, which makes it very difficult to rule. And in fact, it broke apart eventually. But Lothair didn't just rule over this land, he also got the title of emperor, and he also had nominal overlordship of the other lands. So this was still altogether the Carolingian Empire, and Lothair was the ruler. So, to anyone outside, this looked like a unified area. Inside, you had three rulers with different uh, laws, etc. Okay, east of the Rhine, with Saxony, Alemannia, eventually also Bavaria and Corinthia. We have the area of Louis the German. And on the other side with Aquitaine, we have the empire of Charles II. Gascogne here, Gazette Bretagne, And I think you can already see how this shaped the development of Western Europe over the centuries. This is an easy area to rule, relatively speaking. You can travel through it, it gives you plenty of land, and this would eventually develop into France. On the other side, you have an area that would eventually become the Kingdom of Germany in the Middle Ages and then the 
German state today with Bavaria having a bit of a special role for that but in the center, like I said, this broke apart in fact, during the 9th century, you had four partitions of the Carolingian Empire so the Treaty of Verdun was only the first one here in the north, you have what's today the Netherlands, Belgium and Luxembourg, sovereign states in the center, here with Strasbourg, Metz, you have Alsace and Lorraine, which would switch between Germany and France over the centuries. Are today part of France, but you still find a lot of people who speak German or the local dialects. Here we then have Switzerland which kind of went its own way and here we have Burgundy which would become quite important also with regards to the history of the Habsburgs from here began the expansion across the Netherlands, Spain and then into the New World but Burgundy too sort of changed rulers over time when I say they were ruled by the Habsburgs this already gives you an idea that it was not part of the Kingdom of Germany and not under the rule of the King of France you can see this really well here with the different treaties throughout the 9th century 
so that there's a connection to the history of England as well. So plenty of things to uh, explore and to discover in this chant here. Versus the pelle che fui d'acta fontaneto. I haven't been able to find any information on this Angelbert who wrote down the poem. Though there was an Angelbert um, at the court of Charlemagne as well, mm. who had children with one of the daughters of Charlemagne. But he passed in 814 and the uncle that we're looking at here passed obviously after 841. Mm. All right, like I said, mm. I'll link the song in the description box. Maybe you'll enjoy it as much as I did. And I think now I need to give this little kitty here some attention. Thank you for joining me today. And I'll see you again next week. Good night.